Paul's epistle to the Galatians in the third chapter, he calls them foolish. Now, why would Paul call them such a name as that? And so to understand this, we have to really understand the nature. For the most part, it is the letter to the Galatians in its entirety. But the purpose of Paul's letter to the Galatians. And so let us start with this way. When Paul first brought the gospel to the people of Galatia, they received the gospel that Paul had brought to them and thereby they were saved. That is, it was the gospel of faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. Faith in the person of Jesus, that he is both whom God in bodily form, Christ, as well as it is Jesus alone who lived the perfect life, that is a life without sin. Also, that Jesus died for our sins, was buried and resurrected on the third day, ascending to the right hand of God the Father. And that's what we mean by faith in Jesus alone. His person, he is God, and also bodily, he is Christ the Messiah, his works, and that, that is, he lived a sinless life. He died the sinner's death. He died for our sins and was raised from the dead. Okay. So in faith in this alone, that is person and works of Jesus Christ, an individual can be saved. This was the initial message that Paul brought to the Galatians. It is the message that they believed and thereby they were saved. And also we saw gifts of the Holy Spirit being given to the members of Galatia. But what happened was after Paul left the Galatian church, later on, certain Jews came in teaching that not only faith in Jesus Christ is enough for salvation, but they also had to be circumcised, that is, to keep the law of Moses. And the idea in the keeping of the law of Moses is the performance of righteous acts. So therefore, that's a, uh, they brought in a mingling, per se, a mingling of faith in Jesus Christ in addition to living righteously, living godly. That's the idea of keeping the law of Moses, living in a certain way in order to be justified, in order to be saved, which brings us to the sense of the term justification. So what is justification? And this is the idea. We are saved. We are justified by faith in Christ Jesus alone. Now, we've already explained the idea of what is faith in Jesus. That is the person and the works of Jesus, that he is God, made flesh, lived, died, rose from the dead. All right. But now we have to deal with this issue of forensic this, uh, this sense of justification. Justification is a forensic term. That is, imagine it in this way. God as a judge, and we need to understand, we need to keep in mind the very nature of God. God is holy in the absolute sense, okay? So a sinner is standing before an absolutely holy and righteous God 
and is seeking to be found not guilty before God. Now we understand as Paul has also said, what all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So therefore, how is it possible that a sinner can be found not guilty before God? And the only way that a sinner can be found not guilty before God is to be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus alone. Because what? Again, remember what Isaiah said about all of our so-called righteous acts? They are what? As filthy rags before God. So there is absolutely nothing that a sinner can do to be justified, that is, to be declared before the court of God, not guilty. There is only one person that is Jesus, the Messiah, who is declared not guilty before God. So what is it? We in Christ, we being clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And this is what it means to be, to have faith in Jesus alone. We believing in Jesus and only in what he has done. Therefore coming before God in this manner, we are declared not guilty. And so this is what it means to be justified by faith in Jesus alone. But what the Galatians had done being influenced by these Judaizers, they began to try to co-mingle, creating a different gospel to the, which Paul says there is not a different gospel, but they co-mingled the idea of justification by faith along with justification by works. That is being declared righteous. That is the keeping of the law by what you do. And so they made a great and grievous error in thinking that in any way, shape or form, you can be justified by God by what you do. That is when we say justified by what you do, how you live. So let me give you an example because I have heard this uh, uh, a number of times, especially when I was growing up, a person would say, well, why are you saved? They would say, return with this answer. The things that I used to do, I don't do anymore. Places that I used to go, I don't go anymore. I used to be a liar. I used to be a thief. I used to be a fornicator, adulterer, and all of these things. So you're saying to me that you are now saved because of what you do, because you have changed your life. And sometimes they'll say, Christ has made the difference in my life. Okay. So the idea of what they're really saying is you are being saved by what you do or in theological terms, you are saved by works. That is even your own works. Now, and you kind of use the sense that what Jesus died and rose from the dead. He lived this perfect life in an, a sort of a mixture. And this is the era of the Galatians. They were mixing both faith, believing in Jesus, who he was, who he is and what he had done, but also bringing in alongside of their works to justify them. And this is some of the same things that we see today. People bringing in their own works or reasons for their righteous living 
as to why they are saved or why they know that they are going to heaven. But this is not the case. And this is why Paul called the Galatians foolish Galatians. And the reason why he wrote such a hot letter to them, because what we should never forget the only reason why anyone is saved is based solely on the complete works of Jesus alone. We are saved by faith in Jesus alone, who he is and what he has done. There is absolutely nothing that we can contribute to our salvation. So then the question becomes, and this is why, this is why Paul called them foolish Galatians. So in this same respect, we have to ask ourselves, are we being foolish with respect to our salvation? And in that same sense, here is what you have to really consider is, are you saved in the first place? Are you deceiving yourself that you indeed are saved when really you are not because you cannot bring in works alongside of faith? They are two things that they complement each other, but in the scenario of salvation, they have absolutely nothing to do with one another. The question now becomes, so what does my works or righteous living have to do with being saved? And you know, cause sometimes we'll also find out too, like some, like the Corinthians would bring up, well, then if I'm saved by faith in Jesus alone, then, and not by what I do, it leaves me kind of free to live like I want to live and free to do what I want to do. So no, that's not the case. So the question becomes now, what does works? That is when we say works, how I live have to do with being saved. And the answer is very simple. How you live or works is does not contribute to saving you. That is saving your soul from hell and allowing you to enter into the presence of God going to heaven. What you, how you live, cannot contribute to your salvation, but how you live is the evidence that you have truly been saved. How you live is the evidence that indeed you are saved because if you do not live a righteous life, it is the proof that you have never been saved or let me read it to you this way. And I like it in the passage that I'm going to read and close this video out. The passage that I'm going to read is from first John and I really love first John and I don't want to digress too much, but in the gospel of John, there is no greater gospel that speaks of the principle of election like the gospel of John. And when we talk about election, that is how God saves whom he chooses. We are not saved by what we do. We are not even saved because simply I decided to follow Jesus and I did this. No, John says again, a very brief reflection in John chapter six, all that the father gives unto me. So therefore we see that election 
Salvation is a gift from God and it is whom God has chosen to be saved. But at the, so that, that is election that which is of God, not based on the individual and neither based on the works of the individual. So I like that in the gospel of John. But then when we look at the epistle of John, that is first John, it is so beautiful in how it complements the gospel of John, where John deals so strongly with election. First John deals with evidence, the evidence of one who has truly been saved, kind of like almost a reflection of the epistle of James. But nevertheless, Let's answer the question. The final question is, what is the purpose of a righteous life? Or what does a righteous life really indicate? Living right, not lying, not stealing. What does this really indicate about a person? And I'm going to read from 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. You know that he, Jesus, appeared in order to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him, Jesus, sins. No one who sins has seen him, Jesus, or knows him. Notice what he said. No one who sins has seen, that means you're living a life of sin. You have neither seen Jesus and you don't know him. There is no relationship with Jesus. Let's continue to read. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. And the one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning and the son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. So notice what he said, the one who practices righteousness, you live right. You don't live a life of sin. This is the indication that you are righteous or in other words, you have been born again or that you truly are saved. But the one who practices sin, you don't do what is right. It is simply the indication that you have never known Jesus and actually you are of the devil. But let me, let me just continue on and finish that whole concept. Verse number nine, no one who is born of God, see it? No one who is what? Born of God practices sin. So if you have truly been saved, you don't live a sinful life because his seed abides in him. He cannot sin because he is born of God. Point by this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. So notice he is speaking in evidentiary terms. That is, what is the purpose of a righteous life? Number one, it is the good work that we have been created unto after our salvation. That's the book of Ephesians. But the point that John is making here is righteous living serves as evidence that you are truly saved. So 
closing the video down. Who is a foolish Galatian? A foolish Galatian is any person who thinks that you can contribute to your salvation by how you live. There is absolutely nothing you can do, nothing you can do in order to be saved. A foolish Galatian is an individual who thinks that you live or the life that you live contribute in any way to you going to heaven. We are going to see the face of Jesus in peace only because of what Jesus and Jesus alone has done. However, this does not leave us free to live like we want to live. Why? Because as John has stated, how you live is the evidence that you truly are saved in the first place. How you live is the evidence that you will see Jesus in peace.